and we are back. A new episode of Chasing 69, a New York Jets podcast. I am Blake Pace alongside Teddy Pristash, who is back from vacation. Um, it was oh, a yeah. very, very boring solo podcast last week, Teddy. I uh, got about a half an hour in, ran out of stuff to talk about. It, it was It's fine doing solo pods when it's about the league, but when it's one specific team and they haven't done anything over the span of that week, I just... I'm surprised they even made it to 30 minutes. Um, probably half of that was just rambling, but welcome back. How was vacation? Are you feeling rested and restored? I know you've been working hard for, for a month here on the podcast, so I'm glad to see you took <laughs> some well-deserved time off. Yeah, yeah, I'm feeling okay. As you can hear, I'm a little, I'm a little yeah. sick, you know, uh, which happened on vacation. But vacation was a blast. It was relaxing. Your solo pod was great. Um, and yeah, dude, I mean, it sucks to be sick, but I'm real excited to be back and and talk about the Jets, and we're what eight days, nine days away from the draft. So eight days, I yeah. think, when this drops. Yep, by so the time, yeah, it's pretty. I mean, we're getting there. I understand this is kind of that, like, all right, let's let's get there. You know, let's make it happen. Time type of time period, right? And as, especially the last few weeks, I feel like this always happens with free agency, where um, you know it kicks off middle of March. That first month ton of stuff going down signings all that but really i mean you take a look at the available free agents there's a ton of great players that are left unsigned but nfl teams just know after the first wave or two of free agency it's like okay hold on i'm gonna focus our our organization's focused on the draft we're finishing up all that draft prep free agency part two or part three will pick up after the draft so it's really slowed down across the league outside of you know these wide receivers still being out there i keep seeing stuff and not that we need to talk. We've talked about it a couple episodes in a row now, but I just saw more updates that Debo's done talking contracts at the moment with the 49ers. AJ Brown took Tennessee out of his Twitter bio. Um, you know, it went from being DK Metcalf was probably the most likely to get moved. And now I feel like he's the least likely of the three to get moved just where things are going. Um, really interesting because the timing of it heading up into the draft, if you are going to trade one of those guys, you want to do it now where you can use those picks um probably don't see them getting traded unless they threaten to hold out but um always interesting to, to see this continue to develop in what's a, a weird offseason yeah I mean like we said a few weeks ago it's not it, it wasn't the most likely but all it takes is just something to break down or someone to snap or say that's not good enough for me and then that's how these deals happen so lately like the AJ Brown stuff has been getting me I mean I know like I gotta just stay stay even keeled because I gotta be realistic about it but like just the idea of it it would just be so you know I'm excited for these uh rookie receivers but getting one of these one of these like all time not all time yeah. but you know what I mean one of these really good guys would be really great yeah because you're drafting and projecting what these guys will be we already know AJ Brown Debo Samuel and DK Metcalf are some of the youngest exactly. most talented receivers in the league so exactly um but yeah, I, I don't think we need to, we, we've talked about this enough. Quick rundown for today. This is going to be our Would You Rather podcast. We're going to go through a few hypotheticals for the NFL draft. Um, next week, like we'll we're probably- back in like our eighth grade, eighth grade year. I know. Playing, would you rather? Yeah. We'll play spin the bottle next week with each other. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> 20, 20 questions. questions. Uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But yeah, well, we're going to start right. with some housekeeping. We'll take a look at some updated top 30 visits, some, you know, virtual meetings, private meetings, local visits uh, that the Jets are having before the draft and kind of what we can learn from the, the two different types of meetings that they're having. Um, and then, like I said, we'll go into that. Would you rather just a couple of I think we'll do five big hypotheticals surrounding the draft and, and which one we personally would rather. Um, but first off, Teddy, the boys are back in the building. You know, social oh, media yeah. was a buzz and Love everybody back that. there for you. I feel like that's something that the the real Jets fans like to see. They like to see all the social media, the players back in the building. Was it was it fun? Uh, what was it now? It'll be two days ago when this. Podcast yeah, I mean, Monday. to be honest with you, I didn't even like know that that was about to happen. Maybe I'm just not paying Me either good enough attention. But but it was great. You know, you love to, to see them back and just like practicing and all being together and it just makes it feel so real, you know, but there's still such a long way to go that it is what it is, but it was, it was fun as fun as it can be. Right. And we were DMing each other. What did uh, Zach Wilson? Well, yeah. First off, Zach looks, look at that hair. Looks 10 years old. He looks like a child. Dude. He's He's always looked like a child. 
the long like, hair almost makes it look like he's it, it almost makes him look younger because he looks like a middle school kid that's like yeah. growing out his hair for the first time it's yeah. like when the two of us tried to for the first time in like fourth or fifth grade and it's i don't know he just he looks like such a baby uh, and it's yeah obviously the he face, does no facial hair, but he's but, a stud and yeah. i think it's funny because i like to think he's going to be the next aaron Rodgers and that's why he's, he's gonna grow out a mullet and look really ugly like aaron Rodgers does yep he's gonna <laughs> say that it's for a halloween costume and then after halloween he's just gonna keep it and never cut it again so um speaking of which i'm i'm very upset with you because you took a hold of our twitter account which by the way fuck which i do a lot we we should have we should have mentioned it follow us on twitter at nyj underscore chasing 69 make sure to subscribe to our youtube channel follow teddy at teddy hunt show me at blake andrew pace um we let that get a few minutes in too long but you took over the twitter and you said you're you don't care about the wilson mullet what's up with that well the first thing i'll say is every time i'm using the twitter i feel like it's like can i say what i think even though it's mine and blake's twitter you know but i like to just go for it anyway yeah, um, I think people can also tell probably right. at least yeah, if they know 100%. if they know the two of us and they know the two sides that we come from, I think they can right. tell. What and if you don't, you'll get to know. Yeah, but exactly. but it really just comes from I feel like I'm kind of like jaded in a way where and I get that this is like the world we live in, but it's just everyone anything happens and everyone needs to like talk about it. And it's just like sometimes I don't care. Like, I don't care that our quarterback has a mullet that doesn't make me think he's going to be any better or any worse, you know, but it's that time of year when, when these are the things we're talking about. Right. Slow news day. It's you, you got to find something to talk about. And so everybody's talking about, and it's honestly, it's, it's not long hair. I mean, it's just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, he started it a month. He's probably about to get a haircut. Exactly. He's (laughs) like, Oh yeah. I just, I haven't been going out and I haven't seen my barber or whatever. I was throwing passes with, uh, with all my boys. Braxton Berrios is oh, good. Yeah. I got a D I got a speaking of him. I got a DM from the guy that made those shirts. Like, Hey, you should, Hey, these things Zach are Wilson selling is like, good. yeah, yeah yep. dude, that guy's everywhere. I got a DM. He's from crushing him as it. Well, I'm, I'm, yeah, maybe I we might buy some. one one of these days. I might, I might have to do it. Uh, so real quick it, gambling odds, Vegas odds. What are we setting that you'll grow a mullet with me? That I'll grow, grow a mullet with you. Yeah. I mean, probably like plus 600. This is great YouTube stuff Dude. here. Hi, River. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was just like, what is happening? Oh, geez. I didn't even notice the door open. Me neither. That was yeah. really crazy. That was weird. My uh, girlfriend just those... came in with the dog. Yeah, for those just attacked listening. me, and I had no clue what was going on. I was very surprised. For some reason, I thought River had just gotten in, and I was like, oh, wait. Hannah's I was like, what's happening? <laughs> what were we talking about? I completely We were talking about the odds you'll, you'll get a mullet with me. Oh, yeah, probably not. I mean, you'll yeah. probably definitely get a mullet. That's such a you thing to do. I got into but... a fight with with uh, my girlfriend, Leah, about a mullet about a year ago. And I think uh, I'm I'm ready to do it again. I, I tried growing a small one a couple of years back. Um, but yeah, you I should do I it. Might... And if you do it, I'll give you a dollar. That works for me. I love it. OK, perfect. All right, we're on there. Don't even need to compete and grow one together. Zach Wilson, if you're listening, and I, and we know you are. We know you're yeah. listening. What Zach up, Zach? Wilson. Zach? What's up? I'll grow if a mullet. Zach Wilson's listening. I'll grow a mullet. Huh. Not a bad idea. Not a bad idea. I like that. Clip that. All right. Uh, moving along. There's no other real housekeeping stuff uh, aside from more visits that we're getting with the Jets. Uh, Teddy, I said it on last week's pod. I think the big thing to pick up with meetings um, for the top players, for the names that are known. It's who's in consideration at four, 10, who could possibly be into consideration in a trade back or a trade back into the first round. So a lot of those top names. And then with the guys that are less known, and really we're going to go through all the guys today outside of one or two, it's a lot of lower tier late round guys. That just shows you what positions they're going to be targeting on days two and three. Um, And as we'll see, we've got two cornerbacks to update on, another edge defensive lineman, uh, linebacker, running back, safety, and two more wide receivers. So, um, you know, taking it through there, the two cornerbacks, Jalen Watson, virtual meeting out of Washington State, Leonard Johnson, uh, they went to their pro day at Duke. Kind of just shows you, hey, we we definitely have our starters at cornerback, and we've looked at some of the top guys already. We're going to probably be addressing this position in either day two or day three. We'll talk about cornerbacks maybe a little bit later on if we want, but um, 
a position that's that's pretty deep in this class. Um, so definitely some names to keep an eye on um, in that back half. Um, the big name um, is Jermaine Johnson, edge rusher that they brought into um, a top 30 visit from Florida State. To me, that just shows a scenario where maybe they do not go edge at number four, who could be available at pick number 10 for them if they try and scoop up an edge at that pick. Um, defensive lineman Demetrius Taylor, pro day visit, Appalachian State. Small school, less known guy. Um, I've been on board that they want to go defensive tackle. I'm feeling less confident they do it in day two. I think it might be something they wait for in day three, unless a really talented guy falls to them at 35 or 38, but something to consider there. Brandon Smith, top 30 visit at Penn State. That's one of those guys I keep hearing more about, seeing more about. He's going to be a late day two, early day three guy, but I almost think that that's one of those visits where you could really see the Jets that it's tough to project if he's going to be available, but he's a guy that I could see just based on his fit, the Jets taking a little bit of a shot on earlier than maybe most teams would. So that's a name I would kind of just pencil in and and keep an eye on as we get toward day two and day three of the draft. Um, Virtual meeting with uh, BJ Baylor from Oregon state running back uh, brought in a, had a private workout with safety Tariq Carpenter out of Georgia Tech. Uh, so that's another position safety there. Like we've said, could be in play day two and day three. And then two more visits with wide receivers, Bo Melton, local guy out of Rutgers, and uh, Tazir Mack, a top 30 visit for a receiver from Pittsburgh. Um, anything at all, Teddy, sticking out to you about those names? It's really not. It, we've already had the visits with the top guys at this point, so not much to take away from that, that list there. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, seeing Jermaine Johnson there is just, it's good to kind of see it, check it off the list to know that they're doing their homework on him. Um, And I definitely, I like the way you put it, that it just gives you an insight kind of into what positions they're they're looking for targeting in the draft. Um, You know, I like to see the linebacker because, you know, I'm still not confident in these linebacker groups. Um, So, yeah, not a whole bunch to add, but definitely I'll keep an eye on, on Brandon Smith. The one thing that I like as well, too, specifically going back to these wide receivers, I wanted to save them for last for a specific reason. Uh, a guy like Bo Melton, it, it almost to me, because there's a lot of conversation around what they'll do at 10. Is it going to be the big bodied guy in Drake London? Are they going to go speed in Jamison Williams? When you take a look at the type of player that these wide receivers are in later days, it kind of almost helps you paint a clearer picture on where they might go. So Bo Melton Great vertical speed, smaller guy, blazing fast, kind of replicates what Ed Jamison Williams would do, but you could get him in round five or round six or, you know, you know, sometime in day three. So if they're thinking, okay, maybe we double up at wide receiver. And if we've got a speed guy late day three that we want to get, maybe we target Drake London at pick 10. So that's just one thing I like to keep an eye on is the kind of receiver that they look at in those later days and say, okay, maybe they'll try and get that guy then and address you know a bigger bodied drake london at pick 10 so that's just the one thing i saw that tizier mac some people have him outside of like the top 60 receivers in this class so i don't i don't know too much there with him but um just a, another guy's a smaller build as well too but um interesting perspective there yeah i don't know what do you think on that do you think that maybe they're just you know Checking I mean, I think or... it, it obviously depends. I mean, I think um, the idea that they'd be going for smaller guys in the later rounds could lead them to believe they they would want a bigger guy in the in the early rounds make sense. But I mean, who knows at the end of the day? Yeah. Yep. All right. Cool. Well, yeah, like I said, not a not a ton to take away with those visits we've had the big ones out of the way by now. They've, yeah, they've done yeah. their research on the top names, but let's move on to would you rather um five quick hypotheticals for the nfl draft and i think we kind of came to this idea because there are so many different routes that the the jets can choose to go in uh during draft week and so um someone tweet today and and i forgot who it was of course but but they just said like i've been it might have been a jets person actually maybe connor hughes uh, they said i've been in the draft doing draft scouting stuff for 20 years and this is the hardest year to make mock drafts and it really is like last year at this time I really felt like I can tell you who's going at one two three four like the top 10 like yeah even if they were slight variations like everyone was pretty confident in what was going to go down 
this year, number one feels like a question mark. Everything in between, you know, feels like a question mark. And when you're the Jets at four and ten, it's just one of those years where it's like, okay, we really got to see how this falls. Right. And I think that's why you have to do extra work, because last year, if you had the fourth pick, you knew quarterbacks were going one, two and three. Atlanta was there and they knew they were going to take Kyle Pitts. They didn't have to think much about it because they knew every team ahead of them was going quarterback. What if one through three is edge, edge, edge? What do the Jets do then? Um, you know, what it if it keeps me what, up at night? It's crazy. It's, they've got so much. Know. Well, and it, it, it falls into day two as well. And, you know, I've we've talked about this draft class picks one through six. I feel like you're getting the top, maybe even top seven, maybe one through seven. There's like the top elite guys. And then everything beyond that is just kind of you have no idea how teams evaluate this class, because outside of the top seven, it is so mixed in there with day two talent. So, um, yeah, going to be really interesting. So, yeah, a couple of would-you-rathers. We're going to start right at that number four pick, Teddy. Um, this is just a crazy hypothetical. Say picks one, two, and three are like last year. They go quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. You're sitting at the board. You're the Jets at four. Kayvon Thibodeau, available. Trayvon Walker, available. Aiden Hutchinson, available. Sauce Gardner, Evan Neal, Iki Aquanu. Who would you rather draft out of that group at pick four? Yeah. Basically, what we're saying here is you got the three edge rushers, KT Walker, Aiden Hutchinson, and you got Sauce Gardner. You got Ikem Aquanu. Who's who's the guy that we're going to take for me? And this feels so weird because everyone we all think that the Jets are going to end up getting Kayvon Thibodeau, that that's the most like likely scenario. But in my opinion, Kayvon Thibodeau is is my number one out of the edge rushers. And I, I don't know, maybe you can enlighten me on this a little bit, but why, and why do you see um, Aiden Hutchinson being that like most consensus consensus number one pick compare? Is it, is it just the technicality? Is it because when I look at KT and Hutchinson, it's like, it's kind of like yin and yang to me where Hutchinson is kind of the less athletic guy who's very technically sound, you know, and, and has all the moves in his arsenal and, and knows what he's doing with his hands and, and knows how to kind of play with a tackle until it's time to make his move where KT, maybe he's less technically sound, but he explodes off the line and he seems to just like blow up plays. And to me, I'd rather have the more, I'd rather have the more athletic, the guy with the big, more bigger ability, especially when, especially when I'm um, when we're talking about the Jets and I believe in the Jets coaching staff and I believe in Robert Sala. And I think they're going to be able to, to coach that up as opposed to a guy who already kind of has that technical ability, but maybe doesn't have the same type of ceiling with his athletic ability. So, I mean, why do you think that that Hutch is, is most consensusly the number one, number one guy? Yeah, I think he gets the edge above him because he's, he is, he is that polished three down player right out the gate um like you said better with his hands kind of just a, a more polished nfl ready sit him on the the field day one and he's good to go it almost in a different way and we don't get the chance to talk about this class at this position too often but it reminds me a little bit of the quarterback position where there are five guys in this mix here that you could all say could be the best of this class kenny pickett is probably going to go first out of all of them because he's just the most ready guy um, there's a chance he goes pick six to Carolina. I personally have him as the fourth best in this class, but I understand he is the most pro ready guy. I, that's not the way that I would like to draft players. And it's kind of like you said, I'd rather take the guy that I could see turning into the best player in this class where I invest the time into working with him and, you know, elevate his talent to be the guy that he should be. You're exactly right. Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, I, I finished my, my grades for my top 100. He is my number two player right behind Nikki Aquanu. Uh, I have him above wow. Aiden Hutchinson, uh, Trayvon Walker, Jermaine Johnson, everybody else. It's, it's Icky at one and Kayvon slightly behind it too. He, to me is just, if you're projecting what players can be in the NFL, I think he is a guy where, you know, you get him with the coaching staff, like you mentioned in New York that has done wonders developing defensive line talent. And he's the guy I think you could really turn into uh, a stud at the position. And I, I think he had a down year. Um, the character stuff that we've talked about on pods before has rubbed teams the wrong way. 
Uh, I don't know after what Jacksonville did this past year and how much of a joke they looked like. I think they probably just want to go for a safer option. Um, I think you look at Detroit at pick two, why they wouldn't go Thibodeau. I think they, you know, Dan Campbell is that really odd culture guy to the point where it just, it feels corny, but that kind of fits exactly what Aiden Hutchinson is. Um, So I think you look at those two teams and I think they're probably just looking to play it really safe at the top and get a guy that is going to be a sound player um, where, you know, it could really play out for the jets where they get the, the best edge guy in this class. And, and two of them, two other players go before Thibodeau does. Yeah. It's, it really is just interesting to think about because exactly what you said, the, the variation and how people rank these players Um, for me, I mean, I don't know a ton about the, the other teams defensive schemes, but excuse me, when it comes to the jets, what I love about Thibodeau and again, like why I think he fits so well is the jets aren't going to be asking him to play this kind of like hold up, you know, like play it safe, play, set the edge and kind of stay there, you know, play contain. They're going to be asking him to get to the quarterback basically as quick as they can. And that's something the jets have, 100% 100% lacked and we all know it is just the ability to to get to the quarterback quickly and so so just the fact that his in my opinion best trait is that just like elite first step and get off right off the ball I think that's just so huge and and just the size and the build and he just really is like exactly what you want to see yeah no, you're, you're you're dead on and like we said a couple of times the best player on the defensive line for the Jets last year played 52 percent of snaps it is not going to be a problem if Kayvon Thibodeau is is not on the field in, in run situations I think the plan could almost be because we've seen a little bit about this and their their plans with uh, John Franklin Myers he could be on the outside on rundown situations and they can kick him into the three tech and passing put Kayvon at the wide nine and boom, there you go. That's got the, your situations. Now it's not going to be that Kayvon is never out there on first and second down, but I think there's that time where he can develop into that three down player. Um, and a lot of that will have to do with the fact that the Jets don't need him out there and they, they that's not how they operate their defense. They just rotate everybody and they're going to let Thibodeau go in there and uh, they're going to utilize him for his strengths and build up his weaknesses um, until he's an all around solid player. Yeah, you nailed it. And and especially with with a guy like Lawson coming back, he's not going to have that pressure to to go out there and be the best pass rusher on the team from right. day one. You know, so I'm I really do. I, I like him a lot. And I think that all the negative stuff about him is just I, I think it's really dumb, to be honest with you. I will say just before we move on to the next hypothetical, I am starting to get a little worried that Thibodeau is not going to be there at four. Oh, same. Dude. I saw like, you put that as a note I was and I've been about thinking today. about that. Like the more, because I guess go rewind like two or three weeks, we we liked Thibodeau, but it was still kind of that question mark, like, okay, how do the Jets feel about him? Like, what do we think compared to these other guys? As we've really gone into it, like, I really just, I'm so much more confident in, oh, I would love this pick if, if I were the Jets. And then I start thinking, okay, well, there's three teams ahead of us, all of which could use an edge rusher, you know? So, so it is kind of scary. And in that case, I personally do think Hutch is a tier above uh, Walker and mm-hmm. um, Jermaine Johnson. I yeah. think that it's definitely KT and Hutch, 1A, 1B, and then the other two kind of a tier below. But, but man, I really would love – I mean, either of the guys, but I would really love KT to fall. Yeah, it's, it's just uncomfortable because we know for a fact, at least the way that their team is currently constructed, that the Jaguars are going to go edge rusher at one. Like they're not going to take Icky. They're not going to take Evan Neal. Just they, they have their offensive line set picks two and three. I mean, could one of the, we need one, you need one of them to go tackle. Cause what if you're sitting there at four Thibodeau's gone, Hutch is gone and Walker's gone. Jermaine Johnson at four is a little bit of a reach to me. Right. Do you go the offensive line? Do you go sauce Gardner after you just brought in DJ Reed on a big contract and you have a couple of guys that show promise? I think you do. I think that's where you go. But, um, that's where it gets really uncomfortable for the Jets is holy shit. Our top three options at edge are all gone. Yeah. I, I mean, I definitely do agree. And I think in that situation sauce is the best option, but my thing is I just, I really don't see icky not making it in the top three. Cause he is, I mean, you said it yourself. He's your number yeah. one prospect. You know, I feel like one of those teams is going to just say, I'm going to take the best player on the board. 
you know, so we'll see. Yeah, really interesting. Um, but I, I'm glad to see that we're both, I, I knew we were both team Thibodeau, but just in the grand scheme of like, if everybody's available, I, I like that we're all on the, we're on the same. Yeah. I honestly there. didn't have like a full on rankings until since the last time we did the podcast, but just getting, getting deeper into it. Um, he he's it clearing away. He's the guy that I want. Yeah. Good. Well, I'm glad we agree. And it looked, it sounds like his visit went very well with the jets as well, too, from the way it's been reported. Right. I, I, I do feel like it's just the most likely scenario where if he's there, they're going to take him. I feel like right. that's, that's what most jets reporters believe. That's what most people think is the best thing. Like, yes, you can argue with it. And, and there's all these other arguments for why not, but when you, when you keep your ear kind of the ground as close as you can, it seems like KT's the pick. Definitely. Okay, cool. So on to the next hypothetical. Uh, we're going to switch to the 10th overall pick now. Teddy, would you rather keep the 10th overall pick or entertain a trade back scenario? I want you to answer this one first. Okay. I'm, I'm team trade back. I'm always team trade back. Um, and that being said, I love if Drake London is there at number 10, I, we've talked about how he's, you know, both of our top guys, he's a, a guy that I would love to pick at 10. Um, where I always air to is what is going to be the best way to accumulate draft capital, accumulate good players for this team. Because at the end of the day, it still is. If you compare to every roster in the AFC, it is in the lower half in the lower third of just overall teams in the AFC currently. So, um, I was doing, I was using the trade value chart. Uh, I was kind of looking at what those deals would look like moving back five spots with Philadelphia picks them up a second. Um, and I believe an extra third the following year, you can trade back to 20 with Pittsburgh and pick up a first the following year, like the bears and giants did to me, when you can always keep building up for the future without having to give up too much of your value. That's where I love it. I've seen a lot of people say it and I've said it as well too. picking between seven and 20 of this year's draft is really where you get the worst value for your, for your contracts, for your picks. So to me, if I can slide a little bit back further in there while still being able to add players um, I, I always air that way. And just to take a look. And by the way, I, I should mention this. I do have my uh, NFL draft newsletter uh, through a, a email system uh, that I'm using drops daily between now and the draft positional rankings, mock draft, big board, uh, tomorrow, when this podcast comes out, I've got my uh, wide receiver rankings, and this is one of the big reasons why I'm I'm pro team trade back. Uh, I've got f- my five wide receivers are top twenty players in this draft class, and I believe moving back to fifteen or even moving back to twenty, you'll be able to get one of those five. Um, so maybe you don't get Drake London, and, and maybe you miss out on Jamison Williams. I still think the value is there for a Traylon Burks or the Ohio State kids, where if you can add toward next year's draft, which is unbelievably loaded at just about every position. I would always do that. Um, so I, I'm, I'm just always team trade back. I always like, I think the teams that trade up, unless you are landing, you know, your franchise quarterback, they're always the teams that lose those deals. So um, I, I love watching teams be able to trade back, maneuver the draft board um, and still come away winners. Yeah. First thing I'll say Blake's draft newsletter Go to his Twitter. Um, probably that's mm. the best way for them to find it, right? Yeah, yeah, um, I'd say so. That is awesome. I mean, especially if you're not Thank super you. dialed in and just being able to to like kind of get an overview of the class and the players and and whatever team you're a fan of. If you're you just want to know kind of, especially as you get deeper, it's it's really awesome to just have that information about the players. So definitely go check that out. Um, and then in terms of the, would I rather keep the number 10 pick or stay or trade back? I, I do want to say that I definitely think that Joe Douglas is going to be making trades in this draft to get more picks in 2023. I think with the capital that he has, it just makes a lot of sense. And it's just kind of his MO to, to make sure that we're continuously going to have that draft capital. But I do disagree. And would I rather, I'd rather stay right at 10 and make the pick. And the reason for that is I just, I, I, the idea of getting cute just scares me so much. And I fully understand what you're saying. You're saying, okay, all top, all of these top five receivers are going to be top 20 players. So we can go back 
to 15 or 20 and still get one of these guys, which as we talked about on, I think it was our first or second episode when we dove into the receivers, all of those five guys are great. And, and I would love to have any one of them, but what I want, and I know it's selfish, but I want the jets to get the best receiver out of the five, you know, like I want them to go out there and say, this is our guy. We're going to make him the best. And, and he's the best player. And so I just don't want them to get cute. I just want them to when you're at 10, grab it, you know, and, and if they do trade back and they get a guy, I'm not going to be upset, but if they say, okay, well, we want Drake London, hopefully he'll be there at 15 and then he gets snagged up and they settle for someone else and it just doesn't work out the same way. That's just where it really becomes heartbreaking to me. So, so Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm scared of getting cute. I'm going to make the pick. It, it, it does get a little bit different. Uh, you're right. It does get cute when you're trying to do stuff like that and just be like, we're going to manipulate the board as, as well as we can, but then you can't predict what other teams are going to be doing. So you're, you are kind of just, uh, it, it is a gamble to take, especially if the jets have their guy up at the top. Um, I say that, you know, I, I did a, a PFF mock draft simulation with this scenario where I moved back to 15 and Drake London was still available. So that's maybe why I'm just like, yeah, I'm fine with it because yeah. my guy was still there. <clears throat> I would be upset if, if Drake, if the jets traded back and Drake London went 11 to the commanders or, or to Philadelphia. So that would definitely bum me out a little bit just from, you know, we've talked about how much we love the fit with this offense. Um, so I agree. Yeah. Too. It, it, it does roll the dice a little bit. Barring what happens in, in the top nine picks, first nine picks, like the jets, there's a chance they are picking the first receiver off the board, you know, right. n- maybe not a hundred percent, but there's definitely a chance. And so when you just think like, okay, whoever you have at the top of your board, go take him. It just seems, it seems too good to pass up. Yeah. The only team I could see going wide receiver would be uh, Atlanta at eight. But right. even then, they could, they're a team kind of they like could draft anywhere. You could draft any position for that team. Yeah. Um, so, okay, good. I'm glad, I'm glad we're not going to agree on all five of these because I, I think we do a really good job of, of agreeing on things here. But it's nice to we be do able do a to, good job of to, that. to look at a few different things. We're going to move a little bit further into the draft with our next uh, Would You Rather. And we're sticking with trades. Um, this is something that I've seen on a few mock drafts recently. I, I, I believe it was Mel Kuyper or it was one of the ESPN guys that had this situation happening uh, where the Jets traded back into the first round. And I believe in this mock draft, they had taken Linderbaum, uh, the center from Iowa to really, really shore up that, that offensive line for the Jets. I mean, what a great fit that would be. Um, But taking a look at that in general, would you rather trade back into round one uh, for for a third pick in that first round, or would you try and just keep and save the rest of the draft capital that they have? Yeah, this is another one where it's kind of just a toss up. You know, like whatever yeah. they do, I'm not going to be super upset. But I I would I would love if they traded back up to like 25 or something like that, and and maybe picked up some 2023 20, picks in in exchange or, or whatever it would be. And I would just love the idea if there's a guy like Linderbaum right there um, out of Iowa where they can just say, that's my guy. I'm going to get him because that's the thing with, with the center um, Linderbaum out of Iowa. I think he would just be such a great fit. And, and we all know, remind me the jets, jet centers name, Connor McGovern. Yeah. Connor McDermott. Mm -hmm. They all, Greg Van Rowen, Connor McDermott, Connor McGovern, they all are like the same to me. It's what? Oh, what are you waiting on? No, I'm saying whatever. Who's our center? Uh, it's it's one of the Connors. Now you've got me mixed up. So I'm doesn't looking it, it up get right all now. confusing? It's, it's McGovern. Literally... It's McGovern. Okay. okay, good. All right. I knew that. I'm not, I mean, you say what you want about Mid- the guy, but yeah. realistically, mm-hmm. he's not going to be there next year. And just getting a fit like like a center who's going to come in and be able to start or even if he doesn't need to start is going to be able to to be that solid backup I would just I would really like it if they want to say go ahead and get your guy I'd love for them to trade back up three first rounders it would be great well and and we kind of saw the team do it last season when they saw Elijah Vera Tucker and they said 
that's our guy. We're going to trade. We're going to get that guy. Um, and they made the move to get it done. So, you know, we, we have seen them. If, if a guy is falling, you know, comparative to what their board is, they'll make the move up to make sure they get him. So um, I'm team keep them picks personally, uh, especially day two. And I sound like a broken record. I just I have 118 players that have received a second or third round grade for me. It's one of the deeper classes. Right now it's at 118, yep. That receive round two or round three grades for me. It's one of the deeper classes I've evaluated at that position. It's very small up at the top, um, but extremely deep uh, right after that. So to me, you're sitting there, picks 35, 38, 69, and then what, is it 111 in round four? And 117. I, think so, that or I believe it's one. I think it's one, 110, 111, and then 117. They got two pretty close to each other. Um, but for me, I I just think let the board fall to you unless you know, like I said, if there's a situation where it is Linderbaum and, and he's falling a lot, and they're like, well, this is the the finishing piece to what is going to be one of the best offenses in uh, offensive lines in football next year. Um, then I guess get it done. But to me, when you have a team that has a ton of holes on defense. You could still use a receiving tight end, um, backup offensive lineman later in the rounds as well, too. I would just rather keep all those picks and just start plucking away at, at those other positional needs. But um, yeah, and I do think it's important, like the Jets still do have so many holes, you know, and, and right. I'm, I'm I keep praying like saying them. this linebacker linebacker, you know, and and we could use another safety and we could use more offensive linemen and defensive tackles, you know, so. So to be able to get two guys that are still top 40 players, you know, like I said, whatever they end up doing with these trading up or keeping them, they're going to get guys who are going to be able to help the team or they better. And that's the best part of this. They're all hypotheticals. Just a, just a, would you rather Um, moving along? We're out of round one. Now Um, that in this scenario, the jets have gone edge at number four wide receiver at number 10. Like we all um, expect them to taking a look at those two positions again, would you rather the Jets double up at edge or wide receiver by the day uh, by the end of day two? So that's with, you know, either picks 35, 38, 69, or potentially another trade to acquire a pick in rounds two or three. So you're sitting there day two. They've already taken one edge. They've already taken one wide receiver. Which one would you be more comfortable them doubling up on? Or what would you kind of want to happen more there? Yeah, that's another good one. I honestly, I feel like I can't even decide, but, but I am going to say receiver just because I think this is a um, kind of a, a, a good receiver class. I feel like we say that every year now, but, mm-hmm. but it is just like a deep receiver class and, but maybe not in terms of like that fourth, fifth, sixth round, you know, maybe it's more the, the day two kind of guys in the second and third round where the depth of the class is. So to me, when you're thinking about it in that perspective, going a receiver and getting another guy, like you said at the beginning, if we take a big bodied receiver going and getting another guy who's maybe smaller and can fill that role, um, I think I'd just be more comfortable because I just have more confidence in our D line. Um, but yeah, that's another, all of these, they're, they're great hypotheticals because it sounds good either way. It's hard to answer. Yeah. We're, we're going to agree on this one too. And it's, I, I guess to me, keep taking the shots on improving the offense. Um, you know, what if, you know, if, you know, by any stretch, you know, maybe you take Jamison Williams at 10 and maybe he's not ready for the first two months of the season. You've got another guy in there, another rookie that, like I said, it's a, it's just one of the deepest positions coming out of the draft every year. Now it is just receivers grow on trees. Um, so, you know, if you're sitting there and you're like, okay, we drafted Jamison Williams at 10, we need a healthy rookie receiver to come in there and kind of fill the void go that area. Um, and then a, another side of it too, edge. And we talk about the defensive line. They've got a full room there or a pretty full room, at least at edge. Um, and especially if they're picking, you know, Thibodeau or one of those rushers at number four. So to me, when you're rotating that many guys and you've got a deep enough room as it is, I wouldn't see that as an area where I'm like, okay, you desperately need to add a second guy at that position. So I agree. I would go wide receiver to me, the defense, um, is going to be much improved. It's the passing game and making life easy for Zach Wilson that we've talked about for the last month now, and we've seen in free agency. We'll see in the draft when they take a receiver at 10. You can never have enough skilled playmakers. Um, because, look, if 
it's funny. I, I've seen people start to talk about this, and I know that we don't want this to be the case, but say Corey Davis has a, an underwhelming year. There seems to be rumblings when you take a look at the contract that he would be someone that could be easily moved off of after next season. And it's a lot easier to make that decision if you have two stud rookies that have done very well in their opening year. Not saying that you have to do that, but I've seen a couple of guys. I saw Connor Hughes tweet about it, that it, it would be pretty easy to move off of Corey Davis um, and his contract because that third year is not guaranteed. So it'd be a little bit easier to do so um, if you feel comfortable about the receiver room. So when you look at the financial side of who's under contract on the defensive line, who's under contract at wide receiver, I would rather start investing into the long-term future of receiver where edge you've got in, you know, John Franklin Myers has been paid. You've got, you know, Thibodeau potentially at number four, you got Lawson on the other side, more depth pieces there. I would probably just say, have a more solid backup plan for receiver in case, you know, Corey Davis doesn't uh, make it to year three of that contract. Yeah. And, and I think again, you're, you're nailing it. You're saying you're, I agree exactly with what you're saying. Um, and this wide receiver room, it's still, it's still at least two players away, in my opinion, like we're going to take a guy in the high in the draft and, or trade for one of these stars, but as much as we want to see Denzel Mims be great, like we can't, let's say Corey Davis has a down year and we get one or two injuries. We can't be last year, Vincent Smith is, and Jeff Smith are playing over Denzel Mims, you know, like we can't be sitting there giving Zach Wilson, no, no wide receivers again, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, oh, it's late in the year. We want to see some improvement, but, oh, sorry none of our starting receivers are playing. So we're just going to have another excuse and, and we're not going to be able to really evaluate anything. So I just, I totally agree that the wide receiver room just needs more work. And it almost seems with, and I'm looking back at all the visits that the Jets have had at this point, it almost seems like that's the, the way they end up going. You take a look at the edge rushers they visited. It's all guys that are going to go in the first round, you know, Karloff, yeah. Thibodeau, Walker, Hutchinson. Um, and then uh, who was the most recent one? Jermaine Johnson. They're looking at wide receivers in later days, like we mentioned today with Bo Melton, Tazier Mack, um, you know, a couple other guys as well, too. So, you know, that could be them kind of showing their cards a little bit that they probably will double up at wide receiver at some point. So, yeah, I agree. It's just, um, yeah, we're, we're, we're on the same page here with that one. Um, I was going to start off with my surprise question, my surprise hypothetical. Oh, I, forgot I, just thought it would be, I forgot about it, too. And now it's not as funny because. Um, I was just going to blindly hit you with it before we even started them. But uh, would you rather draft Zach Wilson's replacement this year or next year? Oh, my God. Please, please is what I have to say to that. First of all, <laughs> you're a Zach Wilson believer, so don't make oh, me I mad. love him. I love it. Second just, I of all, to, I had to do it. I am so like I can't even. And I know it's just the Jets fan in me taking over and this. I did the same thing with Darnold in his happens. second year, but which Zach Wilson has already shown better than Darnold did in his rookie year. But I am so bought into Zach Wilson. I really think he's going to make the step. And I just, I, I think he's got it. And it all comes down to like, I, I, I keep going back to it, but it's fixable mistakes with Zach Wilson, you know, like he can improve on the things that he was bad at and he has the ability. I'm so bought in. So we're never drafting his replacement because he's going to be our quarterback for the next 15 years. Clip that. Where the I am going to clip that. Once we're fucked in a year, I'm going to be pissed. I wish I wish we did this podcast at the start of the Sam Darnold days because think about how oh polar God. opposite we were with that. Like I was so sure, I was so sure it was not going to work out, and uh, I know. And we really did not see eye to eye on that for a couple of years. There, I'll give some insight uh, into into how that went down for me. I didn't really pay a whole lot of attention to college football like that up that year. But I remember being like, I just don't want Sam Darnold. Like, I don't think he looks athletic. I don't think yeah. he looks good. And then the Jets took him and I got like my brother in my ear and all these NFL people. And they're like, oh, Sam Darnold's going to be great. And don't get me wrong. Sam Darnold could like make some stuff happen that, that gave you hope. But uh, I just bought in like I'm doing right now, like I always do. But I think the difference is just like the natural ability of Zach Wilson compared to the natural ability of Sam Darnold is just like not comparable. Exactly. Like is, Sam is Darnold is just totally truly different. doesn't have arm talent. 
My favorite thing That's was why Sam Darnold. Yeah, my favorite thing was Sam Darnold, and, and we don't need to spend too much time on him, is everybody going into that draft was like 72 per cle- uh, completion percentage in college, and then you look at the throw chart, and it's like 60% screen passes. It's like, yeah, UFC had a spread offense where it was just get the ball outside of their playmakers and let them go do stuff. It's the same so, thing they did with Drake London this year. It's Literally crazy. the same exact offense. That's what so, they do. So, yeah, so that was that was just a fun one I wanted to throw in there. The answer is 2023. That just got me fired because, up, dude, so yeah, good job. Hey, defend defend Zach Wilson. He's, he's woken <laughs> up. We got Teddy back on the pod now. Okay, perfect. All right, awesome. Well, look, let's finish up with one final hypothetical. We're going to be looking at four different backup positions here. Ones that, um, you know, right now you take a look at the room. Probably not room for a starter unless you're taking a guy there at pick number four or ten and – So these are going to be some day two, maybe early day three picks. You've got four positions. You've got a backup tackle, backup running back behind Michael Carter, backup tight end, and a backup cornerback. Would you rather take running back, tight end, cornerback, or offensive tackle first? Before the other three. Right. And this one's a little bit tougher. Do you want me to go first? Because I combined two instead there. I, I know we've. No, no, no. I got you. I got you. Um, What I want to say is what I'm putting last is tight end. And I know that that seems like a, like a, a pivot from, from what a lot of Jets fans might think. Um, We all got so like into the tight end class and the tight end free agents, you know? So I think it makes a lot of sense. Everyone was really excited for Trey McBride, but once we went out and signed um, Uzama and, and Conklin, it just, it really doesn't seem like, like too big of a need to me. I really like a third tight end is going to be fine, but he's really anyone we draft in these fourth or fifth rounds, you know, it's not going to be, um, I I don't know. I just, they're not going to be like a star, especially right away. So I just, I'm really not too worried about the jets. Oh, who's our tight end of the future going to be? Because in my mind, I'm looking at these next three years and I feel like we're already, fine with with who we have you know um who i want them to take first i would definitely say would be tackle because i think that like we've said many times makai becton and george fant there's still so many questions it doesn't seem like we're going to take a quanu early so i just think sure up that offensive um excuse me sure up that offensive line and just make sure that if injury comes or if if Becton or Fant doesn't play as well as you want them to, you have kind of a fallback option that maybe can turn into your long-term option. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's the place to really, to really invest first. Um, running back, like we've said, there's a lot of guys that that will hit, and who knows what round it's going to be in. Um, and then cornerback, I definitely think they should take a guy. I just don't think it's as big of a need as tackle. Yeah, I'm on the same page with the HB tackle at number one out of those four. I do think I'm going to not push back, but I do want to give a little bit more credit to the tight ends because I think that if you can get that wide tight end, the more of like a receiving guy, not that that's a huge role in this offense because they like to do the 12 personnel with blocking tight ends, but I think being able to add in maybe a slender guy like a Jeremy Ruckert out of Ohio State, you know, the hometown kid that grew up loving the Jets, um, there's a, there's honestly a few guys that, that, that I think would be really nice receiving threats for the jets, um, where it's like, yeah, Conklin and, and Uzama are going to take up the snap count. They're going to be in there on the run games, um, in the run game, but being able to get a pure receiving tight end. And it's like you said, it's tough. Tight end is probably one of the longest developing positions when you transition from college to, to the pros, unless you are a bonafide star coming out and you're a guy like Kyle Pitts in his rookie year, it takes a while. You know, George Kittle took a while to pop off. Kelsey took a little bit to pop off. It's, yeah, it's that's one of the most like historically, like it's going to take these guys takes forever until year three or four or five. Exactly. So I, I do think that I agree. It's not my number one, um, but it is something that I, I wouldn't hate to see them address, you know, at pick 111 or 117 with one of those fourth round picks. Um, there's actually a couple guys that have, that have really, um, you know, kind of, popped out late to me in the process. Uh, Kate Otten out of, uh, I believe he's Washington. They wear purple. So I'm, I'm hope it's Washington. And then Jelani Woods out shout of Virginia. Out those are two guys. Oh yeah. Shout out, shout out Sarah Pristash. Um, 
but yeah, I go tackle just because like you said, the, the security of, of that position right now, isn't the most comfortable for the jets with their tackle situation. So even if it's a guy that can kind of fill in in case of an injury or in case someone takes a step back, I think that's the best way to go. I do think, and it's tough because when you're, when, when I take a look at what the jets are trying to be, I just go to San Francisco because that's just what they're doing. They're, they're San Francisco at this point. Right. And what San Francisco (laughs) does is they draft a running back every year. It's late rounds. It's, you know, some, it's mostly day three. Some guys really work out. Some guys are like Trey, Trey Sermon where they can't get on the field in the rookie season. So it it is tough to project what running backs are going to fit in this offense. You try and just take guys that are in those wide nine or those wide zone schemes, which is a guy that they've brought in uh, South Dakota state's Pierre strong jr. uh, Was in a wide zone offense would be a really nice fit behind Michael Carter. It's nice to see that they're doing, they only did a virtual meeting, but still an FCS guy will be available mid day three. Um, that is a position that I think, and I wrote about this the other week. I don't like the idea of Tevin Coleman being our RB2 heading into next year. I just don't. He's off one of his worst seasons of his career. He's getting up there in age. I think he provides a ton of value as a coach who is very familiar. I mean, he's traveled with Mike LaFleur from Atlanta to San Francisco, now to New York. Like, he's just there. He's, he's been around. He knows the offense. I mean, he can help out these younger guys. But I don't love the idea of him being an RB2. And even if Michael Carter starts to take this, this, you know, RB by committee backfield by the balls, and he's just the lead guy. I love that. You still need quality depth behind him. Um, So I do think that that is maybe my number two behind tackle. And it's pretty close between the two, but you know, like you said, with, with the way Becton and um, I'm blanking your other tackle. There we go. Yep. Um, With them probably not being, you know, surefire, studs for years and years beyond um i think it's always nice to try and invest in in backup offensive linemen you can never have enough good of them yeah and and just to touch on the running back room i'm like there's no chance that the jets are coming out of this draft without taking a running back at some point right first of all um and i totally agree i mean i love michael carter i do i love it but i am not at all sold that the jets plan is is we're going to have Michael Carter and he's going to get 75, 80% of the work. Like, I just don't, I don't think that. And while Tevin Coleman's one of those guys who like seems to be a fine backup, he's not good enough. In my like, exactly like you just said, I still really want them to draft or to sign Melvin Gordon. He didn't sign anywhere yet. Right. He visited with Baltimore. I don't believe. Yeah. But he was like gone up. Yeah. I, I still really want that or, or maybe another guy, but I definitely think they'll draft someone. I think it might, I think it could happen at pick 69, um, nice. which would maybe make chasing 69, um, which would maybe make uh, a lot of Jets fans kind of mad just because of like the value of running backs or whatever. But there's good yeah. running backs at the top of this class and they're likely it's possible none go in the first round. So, you know, they might not even start going until mid to late second round. So I do think there's a world where one of the top like two or three guys is there for them and, and they want to, they want to go for it. Uh, maybe it seems like they wouldn't do that at 35 and 38, but maybe. Yeah. Um, but I do definitely think that as much as I love Michael Carter, I think that they, they got to do something to address this running back room. Yeah, I totally agree. And Ty Johnson to me is a guy where it's like, you, I, I just, I don't think he's a good off fit for this offense. And uh, his yeah, yards per carry was what, like, 2.8 last year or something like it was yeah it was he didn't good. do great I do think he like shows burst every once in a while and I mm-hmm. think uh especially two years ago he showed a lot that I think a lot of people didn't think that he had um and he still is a, a pretty young guy I think he's like 25 20 24 25 yeah um so I mean I think he's fine but yeah he is coming off a bad year I would just I would like to see them get a guy in the draft and and see him really flourish like a bigger kind of change of pace back compared to Michael Carter, but we shall see like we have with all these hypotheticals. Exactly. They're all hypotheticals. We're all just throwing darts. There is one thing I wanted to to quickly touch on before we uh, wrapped up. Yeah. Um, we were talking about receivers and, and we were talking about Jameson Williams. And I think when we discussed it, me and you both were kind of conservative with when we think he's going to come back. But did you see that he said, I think he said like, I got injured in January it's a five to seven month recovery. 
I'm aiming to be back by training camp, you know, which, I mean, what do you think of that? I still think, what up, Bush? That's Blake's dog, by the way. I still We're think We're going to cut it that, out so they can't hear it. Uh, all right. That wasn't Blake's dog. Yeah. It's just, it's <laughs> the fun part about being able to edit these things after is I don't want to yeah. make anybody listen to a, a boring a dog, dog barking. Screen. Yeah. Or my girlfriend coming in and yeah. attacking me. Um, but I I just think Jameson Williams is such a great player. And if he was going to be able to be back, and, and even if he's not, it seems so like silly to be like, oh, well, he's not going to play the first six games, so we're not going to draft him. But, I mean, do you have you heard anything about Jameson Williams coming back? Do you believe that he'll be back? It makes sense just in the fact that everybody is recovering from injuries at a speed that we have not seen before. Achilles yeah. used to be a year plus. Now it's almost like nine months. ACLs are a lot shorter. So injuries are across the landscape. It was kind of the same thing. It's like almost kind of the same thing with Jalen Waddle last year. People weren't sure if he was going to be ready to start the season. He had an injury in college. He was the first receiver off the board, a six overall pick, and he was absolutely electric in his rookie season. So, yeah, it's it, it wouldn't surprise me, I guess, if his timetable had changed to where he's now ready to go at the start of the season. Um, I had just heard and listened to other people say the fact that, like, the Jets are just sick and tired of starting the season 0-4. They don't want the season to be over by the end of the first month. So I think that's where a lot of the narrative about getting a guy who's ready day one came into play. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look, I, I finally finished, and, and I can say this because my uh, this pod drops at the same time. I ended up uh, final grading. Jameson was right above Garrett Wilson, so I did put him at number three. So I think I've kind of changed since our last conversation where I had Wilson at three. Um, I've, I've flipped them since then, and and now I've got him as my third overall wide receiver in this class. He's, he's, a, he's a game changer, difference maker with his speed, um, not afraid to, to engage in contact. Um, so look, if, if he ends up being the 10th pick for the jets, I'm not going to be upset. I've just always placed a preference on larger human beings. Um, like them big, I like them chunky. So that's, that's what I look for in the NFL draft. So, um, that's, that's, it's not going to be a, a pick that I hate because I do think he's a very talented player. I just prefer a guy with size like Traylon or, or Drake a little bit more. You think that should be the name of this episode? I like, like him big. We like him chunky. We like him big. We like him chunky. Is that from uh, that song was in? I heard that song for the first time in Madagascar. You remember with the yep. uh, the big yep. uh, hippo? Yeah, great movie. Gloria. Gloria. You know who yep. was the voice of Gloria? Nope. Jada Smith, Will Smith's wife. Awkward. You know who else was in that movie? Chris, Chris Rock. Rock. I know, dude. <laughs> maybe maybe that's maybe that's the title. We get down I'm to like the so bottom mad. of the. Jada I'm so Pinkett, mad that Will I even Smith brought me. that up because that I hate talking, talking about. about that. But I know I don't think I've heard anybody good. talk about it for like the last five days now, finally. And and you just had to come in and bring it back into my life. It's the same thing I said with like the Zach Wilson mullet. Like people just start talking about something and I'm just like, why do we keep talking about this? But and you did it. But that's the name of the game. You know, you brought it back. Got to get your tweets out there. Yeah, I know. Mm. All right. Well, I think that does it all for our hypotheticals there. I think we've covered a lot of stuff. A lot of different options that the Jets can go with. Um, so, yeah, unless there's anything else you wanted to cover today, I think that that just about does it. I'm good. You know, I just apologize for for being sick and kind of having a robot voice. Uh, Honestly, it doesn't it doesn't sound as bad. Doesn't I'm sound sorry that bad. I went on vacation. That's yeah. good to hear. Thanks. Some people these days. But yeah, you know, hopefully next week I'll be I'll be a little healthier, be, have my head in the game a little better. But but I think we had a good conversation. And next week, you know that's when it's crunch time, right? Yep. Not good time. From, we got the draft will be a day after we drop the pod next week. Yep. So we'll, we'll figure out what Oof. we're going to do then. If we want to do like our own mock draft, it's almost here. The following week we'll celebrate uh, the jets. Whatever great they success, do. whatever yep. they did. Yep. We'll celebrate I already know it. It's going to be unless great. They draft Sam Darnold again. But um, I don't other think than that, do that, I think we'll probably just have to to do a case race at some point and and do a pod over that and, and we'll race each other one v one in a case race. But sounds um, like that sounds great. Yeah, we were talking about how dead it's going to be after the draft, but we'll find stuff to talk about. Maybe we'll get like an oral history on the New York Jets through the eyes of Teddy. Christash. Yeah, I got a ton of ton of stories to tell from my Cortland years when the Jets were doing training yeah. camp in our in our old hometown. So tune in for that. 
Perfect. Great. Well, thank you so much as always for listening to this podcast, everybody chasing 69, a New York Jets podcast. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at NYJ underscore chasing 69 over on our YouTube channel, which I believe is the same thing. NYJ underscore chasing 69. Uh, Teddy at Teddy Huncho, me at Blake Andrew Pace. Uh, Make sure to also follow along with my NFL draft newsletter there. Um, Keep trying to guess what Teddy's burners. I, I I like the idea that the more listeners we get, people try and scour the internet for your burner. So uh, maybe we'll make that like a little Easter egg like for find. our show. No, it won't. You're right. Maybe maybe we shouldn't be saying. <laughs> or maybe it will. It's not like we only have 45 followers on. <laughs> Dude, we're almost at 50. I'm getting amped. We're gonna we're have a party. There. We're getting, and there. then we'll get to 100. And then we'll be bigger than Rogan. Yep, that's what's going to go down. Amazing. Well, the race to beat Rogan. Thank you all for listening. We'll catch you next week. Take care.